Welcome back to No Improvement, a sort of funny talk show that explores the vast untapped potential of TV shows, books, films, and more. I'm Tia. I'm Flonia. And we are, are reading a, a month of books. Yeah, so uh, we're reading The Abyss Surrounds Us by Emily. I'm going to go for it. Skretsky. Uh, <laughs> I thought about it and then I hesitated. It was bad. Uh, Don't has believe in yourself. <laughs> yeah. And we're going to be talking to her later on so she can always... Correct you later. <laughs> oh no, she's gonna know. Okay. Uh, <laughs> it is uh, sci fi. Mm -hmm. It's a sci -fi? young adult sci fi novel from yeah. 2016 that, uh, to just read the description of it, features giant sea monsters, pirates, and rising ocean levels. Its plot centers on themes of loyalty, individual choice, and lesbian romance. It is the first in a planned duology of which both books are out. The Abyss Surrounds Us is out, and um, The Edges of the Abyss, I believe, is the second book. Ooh. And that one was published earlier this year. So. I really liked this book. It was so much fun to read, and especially considering this comes out in a post-Pacific Rim world, <laughs> that it was like, just it felt like more of the same universe, mm -hmm. but without the giant punchy robots. Yeah, it's one half of Pacific Rim. <laughs> yeah, it's just like there's it's just kaiju punch. and they're your pets and and they're uh, cute. Uh, I yeah, that was the thing in the book. The main monster that she deals with, Bao, mm -hmm. is adorable and I love him. A and I know baby. he kept yeah, he kept destroying everything cuz he's a giant monster, but I was like I love him though. I yeah, love my, my sweet baby boy. He reminded me of my cat. <laughs> <laughs> Just but, real destructive but sweet at heart. Yeah, but he's also <laughs> trainable. So that's a <laughs> He's like part dog, part cat, all turtle. <laughs> like, yeah. She kept describing him as round and she named him after uh like a steamed bun. Like this, and so you were just imagining a bun, yeah, <laughs> with little a bun legs with a face, <laughs> and like, yeah, like she described him as like a cross with, with like a turtle. So I was like, it's like mm -hmm. a turtle, but the body yeah. part is a bun. That is, <laughs> that is my mental image. <laughs> He's a cute little round turtle, and we love him. <laughs> um, yeah, and I also like uh, so at the beginning of the book, uh, the main character's name is Cassandra, uh, Cass. She is. Uh, a Reckoner trainer, and the Reckoners are these creatures that we were just describing, and she's working... Yeah, Kaiju. <laughs> and she was working with Durga, and even though we only knew Durga very briefly, oh. I was super sad when Durga died. It was died. so bad. And to the point where um, late in the book, when they reveal who did that to Durga, I was mm -hmm. like, <gasps> you monster! <laughs> I, I know, not to like already skip to the end, but like, here, we, here I go. Uh, <laughs> I was really surprised by the ending. Because, like, on multiple fronts. Because at first, yeah. when the the captain was like, okay, we're just going to send you back, I was like, wait, wait a minute, what? <laughs> and then when she didn't end up going back, I was like, thank God, like, because I don't want you to go back. Um, and then when they reveal that, uh, spoilers, of course, um, that Swift was the one poisoning uh, Durga, I was like, 
oh my God, this changes everything. <laughs> it's like, I came back sort of for you and apparently you suck. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was a lot going on. There was a point where I was like, there are 40 pages left and I have no idea where the fuck this is going to go. And then it just like punches. It's like the two punch at the end. Yeah. Oh God, that was, that was a very dramatic gasp moment. And I was like, <laughs> yeah. oh, Swift, we've sacrificed so much for you and you do this. How dare you? <laughs> How dare you? Yeah, because the description of Durga right at the beginning, um, dying is like so, so sad and like yeah, it's really real sad. visceral. And I was, it was very surprising because I was like, this seems early to introduce like uh, a weakness or like a, a <laughs> an element like this in the story. And you're like, like just wait for more. <laughs> and yeah, I was like, oh, okay, I guess. And then it kept happening, and I was like this is very early in the story and then she died and I was like what the fuck <laughs> yeah me too where are we I was kind here? of like oh oh she's just gone now huh oh she's gone oh she's gone <laughs> and then uh Cass gets captured by the pirates um yeah there's pirates in this did we mention that there's pirates. oh yeah it's, it's, it's mainly thing. about the pirates um at the very beginning uh when they introduced Fabian I was like he's evil like <laughs> I was pretty much like he's evil and once they were she was like hmm it's weird how they got all this stuff I was like it's him because he's the only person I know and I think he's evil <laughs> and so like when that reveal happened I was like okay I saw that one coming but when the when the swift reveal happened at the very end that one was devastating <laughs> yeah honestly but, I kind of forgot about Fabian I was like who is this man and then they were oh like God. he was acting suspicious earlier and I was like I do not I remember didn't him. forget I was like, I don't trust this man. <laughs> Something about him. I like just remembered her family. I think I like zoned out on him. I was like, who is? You're like, oh yeah, that he? guy was there. <laughs> I right. was just waiting for him to come back and be evil. But I was kind of expecting her to see her mom again at some point. Mm. Um, yeah, because it seemed like her family. Well, I mean, they're obviously they're important to her, but we spent right. time with them at the beginning, so it's like it's gonna be a thing. And I haven't read the second one, but yeah, I'm hoping so it's they come back. Yeah, because yeah. it's it seems like once again skipping straight to the end. Um, she's just like, <laughs> well, can't go back to that life. I'm dead now. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, oh, that's gonna be awkward if you ever like run into your family again, because like they definitely know you're alive now and that you're working with pirates. So that's not gonna be a great family reunion. Yeah, but also it I want to see awkward. it. I want yeah, to see it. I feel like they'll be like can't believe you did that to us but then they'll also be like man we're so happy you're okay <laughs> more than <laughs> you're not anything. dead and that's the important thing oh good brother job. is like two years away like un, um oh my god i don't know how to say this two years younger than her so like maybe he'll get his own <laughs> thing and then they meet each other in battle oh god and it would be dramatic um, now no. this is turned into me predicting this is the next aragon <laughs> No, <laughs> just kidding. Um, okay, what else that happened? Provoked a very knee-jerk reaction in me. Uh, okay. <laughs> um, one of the things that uh sort of surprised me was like the poison pill. Oh yeah, I was kind of like, I'm not like I wasn't sure. I was I totally believed that this job like warranted a poison pill, mm. but I thought it was like a really good device in showing how like who Cass was, like the fact that she yeah. like. Was like, should I take it? I was like, I don't know. And it's like, 
I felt like it kind of put her, to me at least, on the side of the pirates a little more, or like she could be on the side of the pirates because it's like survival is sort of trumping her ethical duty. Like yeah. she does end up almost taking it, but like after a lot of deliberation. <laughs> and she's sitting like, in that closet for like hours, and then right as she's like, all right, I'm doing it, uh, so <laughs> yeah. shows up, and I'm like, oh, okay. Good what timing. timing. Yeah, yeah that's, so that's ace. Yeah, I felt like that it really, like the ending where she goes back to the pirates like made a lot of sense to me because because like I like remembered that moment and it was like yeah. ah yes she's a survivor like just it's like especially Swift. after everything she just did which is like there's a lot I was <laughs> yeah. at the end there where the there's like a final battle I'm like she's taken out so many people like willy nilly oh good lord um, yeah I was kind of like time, man, I get she it because really yeah like otherwise it's like Swift dies and she. Loves her. But um, yeah, it was. I was like, "Wow, you cannot, you, you cannot go back now." I think <laughs> yeah, I started writing no like the point of no return, and then in hindsight, I realized I was singing like the Phantom of the Opera song. A uh, great song. <laughs> so that uh, <laughs> she definitely hits it like a couple times, but um, mm-hmm. like that's the point where like everybody knows, and then yeah. you, know, you, you cannot. Just go back and be like, sorry, I killed a bunch of you guys. Hope <laughs> I was cool. being coerced, sort of. <laughs> I also tricked you into thinking I wanted to be rescued <laughs> at that Oops. one point and took out yeah. your helicopters. Ha ha ha. That yeah. was very cool, though. <laughs> Would love to see it in a movie. Yeah, I, I definitely was like, there's a lot of m- movie vibes throughout yeah. where I was like imagining it as an epic Pacific oh, Rim type yeah. type thing. I also, I just really want to see a little baby, little, little baby monster. Oh, yeah. <laughs> little baby bow. Yeah. Uh, let's see. I'm looking at my notes on what other stuff. I like uh, how, this is sort of a general comment, I guess, but like, I like how Cass doesn't forget the fact that like she deserves better. Like, even though she's like with <laughs> the pirates and stuff, she's always like, I'm not going to like... I'm still their prisoner. Like she doesn't like lose awareness yeah. of that. And yeah, like, that was something I really liked in the relationship between Cass and Swift, which yeah. is like really early on they establish like you're in a position of power over me because I'm a prisoner on this ship. So like yeah. I don't know how great it's gonna be if we get involved. Which is yeah. like an undercurrent like tension in their relationship where it's like I like you, but also you're We're in a weird situation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So then, it's like, this uh, is a Beauty and the Beast situation. <laughs> yeah. And then at the end, uh, was, they were like, post sequel, this is going to get. And they just, like, kiss each other. And I was like, yeah. Uh, Finally. That was, that was good. Because I felt like there was a lot of, like, a lot of moments where it was just mm-hmm. like, this is, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. Like, it better happen. <laughs> <laughs> at this point it better happen <laughs> otherwise i'll be very sad oh, and then immediately and th- after that there's a swift killed your monster thing and i was like yeah. ah! it was a lot of emotions right You're like again, not but- now not in this moment where everything was gonna be fine <laughs> yeah we were get- finally been able to hang out and be girlfriends god damn it yeah god of god. course of course <laughs> that had to happen um one of the other sort of for me, at least, I guess one of the biggest moments in this book was when Code was, like, brutally murdered. Oh, yeah, shit. That was bad. That was intense. Um, it was, It really hit me out of left field that he would even, like, try to kill 
uh, Bao and yeah. cast too. But uh, I was like, oh. Yeah, Especially it's since like, it comes really soon after the revelation that he used to be a slave. So I was like, oh, okay. I kind of Yeah, like get you're where starting to from. like, yeah. And then it's like, oh, okay, he's going to do that, I guess. Yeah, it's I weird because like for a while she says like, um, like they kind of like are always like, oh, like these guys are competing. Like there's a chance someone will try to hurt her. But I like got really comfortable with the idea that no yeah. one was going to try to hurt Cass. And then, like, they're all just did, hanging and out and like, having <gasps> fun. Yeah, I know. They're all, they're all buddies. I thought we were friends. <laughs> yeah, and that was an intense surprise. Ripped in half, which was <laughs> very what a way to go. <laughs> yeah. I was happy that at least it was like head first, so uh, he didn't suffer. <laughs> but um, yeah, well, except for all the bad. suffering he did before that moment. <laughs> yeah, but it would have been worse had it like eaten his legs off, and then he's that's just true. Still bleeding out. <laughs> oh, it was bad. Yeah, I was and glad that Kaz like, tried to stop it. tasted human flesh. I was like, oh, that's not good. <laughs> yeah, she was like mad at Bao, but I was like, I don't blame him. Bao <laughs> like, just going to eat. How is he going to know? <laughs> you never taught him right from wrong. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, that was intense. Um, those are like most, those covered most of my notes that I have. I'm not sure if there's anything else major you want to talk about the plot since we're... <laughs> I thought it was really good how um, I kept, uh, like, kind of similar in me loving Bao very dearly, even though he's a murderous <laughs> hell beast. Uh, I really liked the pirates and uh, the the lead pirate, Santa Elena. Mm-hmm. I there's her a point really cool. early on where I was just like, I love her, and then I kept being like, No, 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 she's terrible. She's ter- oh, but I still like respect, but also terrified, but also love you. Yeah, so was, she's pretty fantastic. Like. Every time it was just like, and her son's there, and she would mention like raiding a ship with her baby on her back. I was just like, yeah, you, you, you do it, you do that. <laughs> I mean, raid shit, be a yeah, pirate. I, but I also, actually, she's terrible. I had a moment where I had this like crazy conspiracy theory that um, Fabian, the reason he was helping them was because he was the father of her son. <laughs> Ooh. And I was like, ooh, ooh crazy. But then it, it just ends up that he kind of sucks. <laughs> and I, <laughs> I was mean, like, this I feel seems like true as well. <laughs> that's fair because there was a lot of like disappearing parents, <laughs> like uh, right. Swift's mom, and then like all her step siblings' moms just yeah. vanish. Uh, presumably to also be pirates. There were hints, but I was like, oh, I don't know. Um, yeah, what happened to them? Maybe they got taken away. <laughs> yeah. Who knows? So I was like, there's a lot of like parents that could just show up and be like, surprise. So. I know, right? I'm waiting for it. <laughs> I'm like, where's the surprise parent? Any second now. Yeah, all these so little maybe pirate kids. Second book, yeah. Um, what else? Do you want to talk improvements or do you have more um, notes? I mean, I thought everything fit really well. And my improvements are basically just like, things I would have liked to see in, but also more of like, I would like to see in a spinoff because uh-huh. I thought that this was really good by itself. Mm-hmm. But like, yeah, I'm like, I mean, obviously making everything could be gayer, but like. <laughs> this this gets pretty gay. <laughs> yeah, I know. But I was like, more. <laughs> make them happy. Because as soon as I was like, oh, now they're going to live together forever. It was like, no, everyone's terrible. I was like, no. So 
I guess basically what I'm saying is I want them at the end of the next book probably happy to ending. just be like happy. And that's where most of my improvements come from, I think. I imagine them as co-captains of the ship. Ooh, ooh that's Aww. good. Oh, that'd be cute. <laughs> um, One of my improvements, my other two improvements are like, LOL haha, but this one is more <laughs> less LOL haha. Um, I want to see more of the other crew on the thing. Like, more yeah. of the main kids, but even more of, like, um, just, like, the random other people. Because it seems like there's a really fun dynamic happening on the ship. And I want to be privy to it. Um, but that was just one of mine. So, <laughs> if you have another one, you can go ahead. <laughs> I mean... And like my next one is, I just want to hang with my sweet murder baby Bao, but like that's mm. not that's not gonna happen because he gets left. He like oh, yeah. becomes a free free monster on the seas. And I was but, like, nice uh, that he's free, but also I'm gonna miss him. I know. I just <laughs> I really do like, even though they're murder monsters and uh, they're raised for bad things, I I really like <laughs> the 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 whole monster dynamic, and I'm like, I want one. I want one. Yeah, to be they, mine. They sound like wonderful little companions. Well, not little. <laughs> wonderful Big. huge companions. Yeah, yeah. You gotta um, live on a boat. Yeah, I, I kept thinking the whole time about like how seasick I would be <laughs> in this <laughs> oh entire world all the time because I get seasick so easily. Um, my next improvement is sort of related to... Well, it is related to Reckoners, but it's sort of related to what you were saying, which is that... I want to see some different forms. Like she mentioned some different types. Mm. But oh, yeah, there was uh, the, real quick. There was the one that she mm -hmm. was like, they're the based monkey. off of monkeys. And yeah. they're, like, they're the worst ones. And I was like, oh, we're going to see one. We're going to see one. And then <laughs> there wasn't one. And I was like, ah. You're like, I still I really want to see one. Yeah. I want to see. Well, I just wrote that Clifford the Big Red Ocean Dog could <laughs> become real in this world. <laughs> I'm like, why are we not like making cute little pets, out of, like huge pets? <laughs> like that's what I want, really huge pets. <sighs> that would be yeah. great. I mean, just, that's just a... A, it's like the opposite of a miniature zoo. It's <laughs> a huge zoo. This <laughs> uh, <laughs> improvement is very much in the vein of Pacific Rim, and it's just giant robots because I just think they're sick and. Uh, <laughs> you <sick>. could <laughs> you don't need to have them fighting the giant monsters you could have them working together Aww, or and you friends. could I never saw this but from what I understand one of the Transformers movies has giant robot dinosaurs so what I'm saying okay. <laughs> robot kaiju uh, mm -hmm. like interface mm-hmm it would the be future. really cool. Think about the it. Yeah, think now. about it. Think about it. You could get like an exoskeleton that has like floating water for <laughs> edges so it can walk on land. And then it becomes Godzilla. <laughs> ah, <laughs> this is exactly what this society needs, Godzilla. <laughs> um, in a similar vein, again, somehow, even though we did not plan this um, at all, um, my next improvement is Pacific Room crossover. <laughs> and Cass is basically Dustin from Stranger Things, where she's like, no, they're nice. And everyone's like, no, Dustin. It's going to kill everybody. <laughs> That's a Demogorgon, Dustin. <laughs> and he's like, no, we're all friends. Oh, yeah, and I could really <sighs> see that happening where they're like, 
she just gets out of the robot and like stands on top of the head and everyone's like what the fuck are you doing and she's like no i can talk to it and then just immediately gets like whacked off of it because they're, they, <laughs> they're monsters mm. they will monster at the same time if you get like a laser show going for one of those things and it does anything that would be pretty awesome a laser show that would oh my god it would be like that fountain in las vegas yeah but I can imagine like a giant monster just being like, what the fuck? Like mind blown, just standing in the middle of one of those. Like... Oh my God, this is turning into SeaWorld. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. Oh no. <laughs> no. That was another thing too, like at the end where I was like, there's no way to go back. Even if like she wasn't really fucked up at this point, the system is bad. The whole system is bad. Everything's broken. <laughs> this is true. Oh. Um, well, I don't know if you have any more improvements, but I... I mean, my last one not. is just a follow-up of what I said before, and it's just, Mama wants <laughs> romance. I want romance uh, where people are happy, damn it. <laughs> they there can never be so happy. There was so much tension, and then, like, as soon as we're like, oh, everything's good now, nothing's good! <laughs> yeah, it was like the exact moment where you're like, oh, everything, it's fixed, the book is over, everyone's come <laughs> together, we've made decisions, and then they're like, here's a wrench that I'm going to throw in here. <laughs> okay, oh. well, if you feel ready for it, and let me know if you're not ready for it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> We are going to add Emily to the call and ask her some questions. Let's do that. Okay. All right. So now we have the author herself here on the podcast with us. Thank you so much for <laughs> being a part of this with us. Yeah. Um, it's, great. Yeah, it's great to join you guys. <laughs> would you like to introduce yourself to those who may not know you besides uh being the author of this book <laughs> uh, what else is there to say i'm the author of this book and also the sequel to this book the edge of the abyss and um the upcoming book whole metal girls which is going to be out from random house in july of next year yeah so get ready people um <laughs> so i think we have some questions for you about the abyss surrounds us um wait how many questions do you have for <laughs> Uh, not that many, really. Uh, I think we can just, you can start with. Okay, I'm just gonna go into it then. Um, yeah. I guess my first question was just like, how did you come up with the world? Because, uh, I don't know, I feel like I haven't, I've read a bit of sci-fi, I would say, but I have not read anything that's about the entire world being flooded. Um, and sort of like the different political impacts of that and how um everyone's like time to live on floating cities <laughs> and so i was curious to know how you like came up with this concept and also if uh in what ways i guess does it reflect issues that we might have today like climate change or something like that hmm. yeah well um the first inspiration I had for the book actually came when I was um, traveling back to Cornell from Thanksgiving break during my uh, junior year. I was on this bus that was going up past the shipyards in Philadelphia, and I was looking out at the shipyards and trying to come up with an idea for a story, and started thinking about, like, sea monsters. And I, I had been, you know, massively obsessed with Pacific Rim that summer, so <laughs> I, I had sea monsters on the brain, and was just thinking, hey, wouldn't it be cool if there were monsters in the water next to these gigantic tanker ships? 
And then I was thinking about, you know, what what would justify their existence? Why would we have them? Um, and came up with this idea that we would genetically engineer them to protect those ships. Um, because I thought it'd be kind of cool if instead of, you know, the monsters being monsters, the monsters being the thing that we had to fear, um, at sea, uh, the monsters would be something that was, that was there to protect us. And Mm -hmm. of course, then they, there's still something to fear from them. And we kind of get into that later in the series, but, um, and as far as building the world goes, the, um, I guess, it was kind of, what it felt like for me was it was uh, not necessarily like you know ooh what would happen if the the ocean levels rose it's more like this this feels like the natural extrapolation of how our current climate is going to evolve over the years we mm-hmm. are going to fa- be facing sea level rise and um, it just seemed disingenuous to to imagine a future where that didn't happen. Mm-hmm. So um, I just took that kind of at face value and then said, okay, what would that do to us politically? What would that do to us? Just, in, I mean, that would prompt a, a rise in interest or a rise in um, importance of ocean trade. And um, then started thinking about, oh, what would, what would be... There is also kind of an element of... Um, wish fulfillment a little bit in the way that I decided to set up the um, political situation in the book where the United States, which at present is a large and unwieldy Mm -hmm. um, landmass that has vastly different interests spread out over a um, vast amount of territory, was broken up into smaller states and governed in a way that focused more on fulfilling the needs of those geographical um, entities. And so um, that was kind of the inspiration for the the political setup for the book was just saying, hey, wouldn't this be nice? This would be nice. Wouldn't this be nice? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm going to kind of grab one of Tia's questions and kind of merge my own. Uh, and kind of following up with that, uh, the, the creatures themselves are all kind of based on different animals that already exist. And that's not just like a creative decision that's like literally what happened in the world when they were engineering them uh did uh thing is was uh did you have to do any kind of research specifically into mm-hmm. the the what kind of uh behaviors or like features these uh different creatures exhibit and my follow-up would be and like which one would you want as a pet because i think you're the best <laughs> you're both like we're like yes, mentally collecting them as pets. Yeah, it's like it, it's like the, it, it's hor- a horrifying system, but also, <laughs> but really also we would have kind of like this, this Pokemon element almost. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah, well, um, I mean, yeah, I did research on kind of marine biology. I was, I mean, I was obsessed with marine biology when I was a kid, so um, a lot of stuff was just you know things I had known off the top of my head from being convinced that I was going to be a whale biologist when I was a child. Um, So I had a lot of stuff kind of locked and loaded. And then as far as figuring out which sea monsters, like what made sense to me to to have as a sea monster, I think there was um, an element of, you know, what we've, what we've seen before, like giant turtles aren't necessarily unfamiliar. And um, I mean, whales are pretty big already. Um, (laughs) 
and then it was kind of, I, I remember kind of tossing around ideas for like, oh, do we want to do like sea lions? But um, I think the hard rule for me came when I decided that we didn't really want to do anything that could, in, that could come out of the water. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. Like, I guess sea turtles, they do come out of the water just to lay their eggs. But apart from that, they're ex- pretty much exclusively um, marine. So I decided, no, we're not, we're not going to do giant sea lions, uh, but we are going to do giant whales. And um, then I kind of broke my own rule with the, um, the, it's mentioned in the first book, and then explored a little bit more in the second, um, the semioids, which mm. I, I reflect, look, looking back on it, I, I don't want to say that I, I did it because I just wanted to have sea monkeys, but um, <laughs> I did kind of want to push the boundaries of like what these reckoners could be because in general just giant swimming monster um is on is one way of defending a ship and then i thought oh wouldn't it be weird and very nasty if we just had packs of like savage sea apes <laughs> so that would be terrifying but, but kind of cool <laughs> yeah no it, it is legit one of the worst ideas i've ever had just in terms of like sheer horrificness um, <laughs> the destruction it for would a, cause <laughs> <laughs> for a pet though I feel like I I had the most emotional connection to the turtles just because the um the, the turtle monsters are the ones that get focused on in the book so much mm-hmm. um, but because I also really like whales I would probably want a seatoid hmm. I want all of them <laughs> even the monkeys <laughs> Um, oh, well, to sort of follow up on that, were there any, because um, you were talking a little bit about how you thought like maybe sea lions um, would be a, a basis for these creatures. Um, were there any other like early sort of ideas about the book that ended up getting changed a lot? Like, I don't know. I can't think of any examples, but like a character was like very different or something or a death did or didn't occur or like were there any big changes, I guess? Yeah, I'm pretty um, big on planning out my stories before I write them, so there wasn't that much in terms of plot stuff that got scrapped. Um, mm-hmm. I feel like stuff got kind of rearranged in terms of like when certain reveals happen, or um, mm-hmm. I actually like so. Hmm, what are we doing? In spoiler territory with this because spoil um, anything. This thought- is for people who've already read the book. Hopefully, yeah, oh right, my god, already well, spoiled okay, so- things. <laughs> Yeah, we yeah. spoil things. So in 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 the um in the in the book we find out that the shady um government agent that um Cass meets in the first chapter is the one who's been selling off the sea monster pups to the pirates. Mm-hmm. And I had initially planned for that to be revealed in the second book because the fact that he's been selling off more sea monster pups becomes um relevant in the second book. Mm-hmm. Um but uh, my editor was like, it, it doesn't make sense for him to just show up for no reason on the flotilla just to, to be there and then later have this reveal about him. So let's mm. let's just confront that right now because it makes more sense story-wise for that to um, to happen in the first book. So st- that, that happened. Um, actually, really interestingly, when I first um, conceived of the story, um, I, I remember my brain was in a completely different place from, like, you know, pirates and adventures on the high seas. I was actually thinking about, like, um, beach towns in California and about how um, during the summer they're packed with people, but then during the winter they're, they're completely empty. It's just the, the old people who still live there. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. 
But then I very quickly got on a different tangent when I realized, oh, sea monsters. <laughs> I can see how that would, uh, <laughs> that would change. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that is a pretty big plot element to switch up. Um, one thing I noticed that in particular going into this with Pacific Rim kind of in the back of my mind was that uh, the cast and like not just the main characters, but everyone in the background is so much more diverse than the movie not to bag on the movie but a lot of white people in the background like uh, in like secondary roles and uh this is in just in terms of like age ranges gender race like it, everyone's coming from really different backgrounds and it was really interesting it makes sense because it's a like a nomadic sea faring group of people uh mm -hmm. but was that something that you went in like deliberately like gonna gonna change it up a little bit for everybody or uh did that just kind of come naturally while writing yeah definitely i mean it, it reflects personal beliefs that i hold that you know we really should be challenging the status quo of who gets stories told about them who is present in these stories and um who feels at home in the world of these stories and uh, like you said, there's also just kind of the world justification of this is a pan-Pacific society, and um, if it becomes a really like American-centric cast, uh, or a, a really white-centric cast, or a really um, male-centric cast, um, then it becomes reinforcing um, a standard that isn't necessarily reflective of the way the world actually is. Like this is this is. This feels like what would naturally happen if um, a bunch of people who had been kind of cast out from their communities on the shore coagulated into um, these floating cities and these pirate crews. Um, they would not be homogenous. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I really liked how uh, when she was on the flotilla, I think, uh, she was talking about like all the different languages she was hearing. Um, I was like, yes, this is cool. <laughs> like, this is so yeah. cool. Yeah, and um, I mean, that's what happens in, in port towns. Is yeah. They, they become uh, mixes of everybody who's coming through, and they're all coming from different directions. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. I just had the thought of, like, how good the food would probably be, because all these oh different cultures with their amazing food would probably, like, fuse, <laughs> fuse together and create amazingly <laughs> delicious seafood dishes, a.k.a. my dream life. <laughs> anyway... Uh, I guess another question, this is sort of a specific one that I had. Um, so uh, in the book, they talk about how um, the, all the different people on the boat have a tattoo and they all put it in a different place that sort of like symbolizes like how they feel, I suppose, about um, being a pirate on the ship. Um, and so we learn why Swift's is on her neck um, because of the sort of Damocles story. Um, which was really cool. And I was curious if there were like particular reasons why other characters had them in certain places. Like you mentioned Varma's is on his cheek and Chuck's is on her shoulder blades. And I think someone had it on their finger and I kind of think it was code. code. Yeah, yeah. He got yeah, it cut code. off. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh God. Yeah. So I was wondering if there were like backstories or like re reasons that you have for putting them in those places. 
Yeah, so I think it's mentioned in text that uh, Santa Elena's is over her heart because the ship is her beating heart. It is mm-hmm. what's kind of keeping her alive and keeping her going. Um, Varma is apprenticed to the lookout on the ship, and so it, he wants to have his underneath his eye, but it's also speculated that he just put it on his face because he wanted to, <laughs> because he just was being extra like that. Um, <laughs> I respect which is that. In character for him. <laughs> um, yeah, Chucks is like uh, in between her shoulder blades, is kind of on the square of her back, and um, it kind my thought was that it kind of represented like the the strength of her back and the um the mm. that she feels um that she's carrying them all and that um she's found something to support after kind of coming from this privileged life as an islander princess where she um wasn't necessarily feeling useful she was feeling like she was being used being raised to be her father's heir and now um she's has something that she feels essential to. So she feels like she's this kind of cornerstone mm-hmm. and uh, lemons. I don't know if it's mentioned in book one, but lemon has one across her throat um, because the ship mm-hmm. is her voice mm-hmm. and codes is on his finger because uh, he he's, he's the programmer. It tells him what direction, he, <laughs> what direction to point in. Okay, cool. Do you have another question or should I go again? Uh, you can go. <laughs> okay. These are sort great of time just sitting here and listening. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of forgot that we had questions. Um, these these last ones are sort of more general questions um, so that we don't have the longest podcast of all time, <laughs> as fun as that would be for us. Um, so one general question, less about uh, the book and more just about you and books in general. Is there a book by a different author Um, who you would recommend for those who enjoyed this book for any reason, Um, whether it be similar genre or just like you really liked it and feel like other people would like it too, just to sort of keep the the reading train going, what would you recommend? Well... There's a whole bunch of stuff. I mean, so <laughs> I can't, I can't, I literally physically cannot do book recommendations without um, recommending my friend um, Tara Sims' Timekeeper, which is actually pretty much the polar opposite of everything I write because instead of about <laughs> gay girls, it's about gay boys. It's, um, his, it's a historical fantasy, um, so pretty much the opposite of sci fi, um, but it's about a world where, um, clocks control time clock towers control time um so if a so a clock tower kind of controls how time flows over a certain portion of the land and if the clock tower breaks then time stops and it's about a boy who's a mechanic for one of these clocks and he finds that the clock has a um, spirit who is inhabiting it and um he falls in love with the clock spirit boy um, and meanwhile, people are starting to try and destroy these towers, and he has to get to the bottom of why people would want time to stop in the first place and what's happening there. Um, there's also a really good book called, by Corinne Doivis called um, Otherbound, which I always recommend for um, people who really like The Abyss Surrounds Us because it's this um, diverse fantasy about a boy in our world who um, closes, every time he closes his eyes, literally even every time he blinks, he sees through the eyes of a girl in this fantasy world somewhere he doesn't completely understand. It's just been happening um, all his life. And um, meanwhile, she's going through this whole thing where she's on the run with a lost princess, and they're starting to fall in love, and there's a, um, like, 
he's he's trying to get to the bottom of this like medical mystery, but also trying to um, help her because one day everything changes when he realizes he can actually communicate with her and she can talk back. Um, so it's kind of this out there fantasy concept um, that's just done really, really well and written with uh, so much empathy that I really admire. Um, she also has this other book that's really good called On the Edge of Gone, which is another thing that is, I think, Abyss Surrounds is adjacent because it deals very much with like moral choice. Um, mm. And it's about the um, these people in Amsterdam um, who are getting onto a generation ship as a comet hits the hits planet Earth and basically plunges it into an unlivable situation. So um, the main character is this biracial autistic girl who is um, trying to grapple with the fact that um, she feels like maybe she won't be allowed on this ship because she's not necessarily as useful as other people. And um, it brings into question all these questions of worth and um, identity and all these things that um, just combine to form a really fascinating narrative. And one more, I, I know I've been going on and on, <laughs> I love um, it. <laughs> but I feel like I have to, I have to, for every human being alive should read um, N.K. Jemison's The Fifth Season, um, which is this really fascinating, um, it's the first in a fantasy trilogy and it's basically about this woman who um, has been concealing this power for years um, that her that people who have it are persecuted in her world. It's kind of this post-apocalyptic world um, where you know society is sort of rebuilt. Um, things are going a little bit better than they used to, but the world is massively geologically unstable. And so earthquakes um, are just a much more common occurrence. And in response to this, humanity has actually evolved. Some of them have the power to kind of quell these earthquakes and to control the earth. They're basically like jacked up earthbenders. Um, but <laughs> if they don't learn control, they can also set them off and trigger another apocalypse, which is so common that in, um, the, in the world of the book, they're called seasons just because they happen with such regularity that they might as well be seasons and so it's about this woman who has been concealing living in this concealing herself living in this small village um she's found a husband she's had children and then one day her husband discovers that both of her children are have this power too and he mm -hmm. kills their son and takes off with their daughter and she <laughs> sets off on the road after him as somewhere on the horizon another apocalypse gets triggered and so it's just this fascinating um, world building it's written in this absolutely uh, the, the language is something I admire so much as a writer because it's so conversational it's mm -hmm. really accessible um, compared to I feel like a lot of fantasy literature can be like oh so is the son of so and so and the <laughs> the, the, the orchids in the spring and all the the, the hoity-toity description but this is just raw efficient story mm -hmm. and it goes in some really interesting places later in the trilogy so now awesome. that I've prattled on about books for, <laughs> I think, yeah. five minutes straight. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm going to ask you to prattle on even more about books. Um, to just yes. You mentioned this at the beginning, but uh, remind us again about some stuff you have coming up next if people want more of your literature. <laughs> Yeah, so my third book is coming out in July of 2018. It's called Hull Metal Girls, and it's a little bit different from The Abyss Surrounds Us. It's um, set in a fleet of generation ships that have been wandering the stars for 300 years and have not found a new planet to call home. 
And um, in this fleet of ships, the um, basically to defend to defend people from each other and to maintain social order, we've created these jacked up cyborgs who um, keep the peace and um, ba basically replace you know guns, which could do terrible things to to ship hulls that we're trying to preserve over the course of three hundred years. Mm -hmm. So um, it's about two girls who um, become cyborgs. One of them is a devoted um, older sister who's you know she, she's an orphan. Her parents have died. Her um, younger brother has fallen ill. And her younger, she's trying to keep her younger sister from having to work um, to in kind of horrific factory conditions. So she mm -hmm. decides she's going to give up, basically give up her body to become this cyborg, and it, which essentially involves stripping um, their free will because you can't have that much power wandering around unchecked. So um, she makes this noble sacrifice and then is dealing with the fallout as she comes to understand that she's left her siblings in the care of her aunt, who may not be up to so much good. And the other girl um, wakes up in this jacked up cyborg body with no idea why this has happened to her. And so she is trying to piece together the mystery of how she ended up becoming a cyborg in the first place. Oh, man. So that's Hell Metal Girls. <laughs> that sounds cool. And there's also a sequel to The Abyss Surrounds Us that came out this year, right? Yep, that came out earlier this year. The Edge of the Abyss is the uh, continuation and the uh, end of the series because I conceived of it as a, a duology, two mm. reflections of each other. So, yeah. Cool. Um, well, thank you so much for talking with us. Is there anything else uh, you want to share before we go our separate ways. <laughs> uh, uh, thank you guys so much for having me. I'm really excited to, to be on the on the show. We're thank happy you. to have you. Yeah, it's cool to like <laughs> be able to talk about a book with the very person who wrote it. <laughs> There's no <Yeah>. better source. <laughs> All right, well, yeah, thanks so much <laughs> for talking with us. Um, and yeah, I think of course. We have a little more housekeeping to do, but again, great to have you on. And also, if I ever visit LA, we should hang out again and go hiking again. <laughs> totally. <laughs> yes, please. All right. Bye, Emily. Bye. All right. Bye. Thank you again. Okay. So for next week, we are going to be, what are we going to be doing? <laughs> We're going to be reading slash watching, I guess, uh, The Disaster Artist. Yeah, because Books that by just Greg came Sestero out. And yeah. movies by James Franco and others. Yeah, and Seth Rogen and James Franco's brother. And I don't know who actually... I don't know anything about this movie except that it came out and everyone's talking about it. And I'm well, like, I want to be a part seen, of it. It's about... <laughs> The Room. Have you seen I The Room? I know that. I have not seen The Room. Do I have what to watch The, fuck, the Room? Man? <laughs> Maybe I should watch The Room first, and then I'll watch The Disaster Artist. And then that'll justify why I haven't read the book, because I think right, you're, cool. you're reading read the book. It. I can't yeah. seem to get it from the library. Um, but if it happens, I'm, like, on a wait list, so it's possible I might be able to get it. But if I can't, I will just be no, getting yeah. familiar with it in general. I mean, to be fair, watching the original the room will fuck you up pretty bad. So like that's Yay. a time commitment. <laughs> it's a it's a fucking trip. Really? Well, I, I'm excited. But you do have to you do have to watch it before watching it. 
the the best artist i think okay okay so i will be watching two movies in preparation for this and i guess if you guys want to hear about the disaster artist you should also uh definitely see see the room and also the disaster artist and then maybe (laughs) also read the book if you want to three things yeah we're (laughs) gonna be covering yeah we're gonna be covering a lot okay cool um and did we figure out a sign off oh um, oh, oh. Protect your sweet reckoner babies. My God. <laughs> protect them from danger. They're children. <laughs> they're, they're giant, terrifying giant children. Little baby animals. And love them. Yes. So don't don't be mean to reckoners. And yeah, I guess we'll be back next week talking about the disaster artist. Oh, Thanks for listening. <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs> Oh my god, I thought I was pressing stop record. No improvement.